0: listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, and every two weeks, I have an inspiring conversation with an ordinary person leading an extraordinary life. Today, we have Dr. Matt Flory and his functional health team back to talk about thyroid and adrenal issues. Dr. Matt Flory is the founder of Functional Health Team. As a doctor practicing functional medicine, Dr. Florey specializes in holistically treating inflammation and inflammation-related complaints. Dr. Flory's team of health detectives utilize functional medicine's unique diagnostic procedures and largely natural treatments with a focus on methylation and nutrigenomics. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt.
1: Good Day to you Janine happy to be here <laughs>
0: great our next participant is Katie McKenzie she is the co-owner of gym guys and a certified exercise physiologist she also has a BA in nutrition and fitness and a master's in exercise physiology she is passionate about meeting people where they are to achieve their health and fitness goals hi Katie welcome to the podcast
2: Hello,
0: thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. This is going to be fun. So, just a recap for our listeners, I wanted to do another episode on thyroid adrenal issues because the very it was one of the very first podcast episodes I did with Janie Bothorp of Stop the Thyroid Madness has as I look back at the statistics every once in a while, um has become one of our most popular Uh, podcast recordings. And I thought it would be a good idea to have the functional medicine perspective on thyroid and adrenal issues, as I think it's often misdiagnosed. And I think it's, well, maybe, I don't know, Matt, can I say an epidemic? Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, actually, you know, I remember that episode uh, that you recorded. And interestingly enough, you know, the words you just used are actually uh, the, in the title of my uh, thyroid uh, blog article this oh. month on our Functional <laughs> Health Team website because it is one of the most misdiagnosed and I would say also uh, mistreated conditions uh, of our age.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's maybe that's a good place to start, even though I'm not starting with your bullet points here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and why should we? Why, why should we? we? Absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely. So, why is it so misdiagnosed? Why? I mean, it, it would seem to be kind of a no brainer, but I, I guess it obviously isn't.
1: Yeah, there's, there's one way to kind of approach this question is to really think that, honestly, our body has a certain set. Of signs and symptoms—that's a—that's a mouthful to say. A lot of uh, alliteration there. I
0: love alliterations.
1: <laughs> constant, constant consonants, right? <laughs> but <laughs> there, there's a certain set of signs and symptoms our body can can really alert us with, right? Okay. So there's a lot of crossover. Uh, so we end up getting, uh, we end up getting bleed from one condition into another, and then we start to pile on top of that the average education that we get from, you know, kind of social education that's out there. And, and much of this education comes from commercials, from messages uh, thro- from the media, and those media messages come from, what, you know, corporate sponsors who are often trying to sell us things like over-the-counter products. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're in the United States and and some other countries that allow uh, direct-to-consumer pharmaceutical advertisement, Mm -hmm. right, we're getting a lot of these messages from there. So, uh, you know, without yet kind of going into what conditions or what functional uh, foundational issues uh, are misdiagnosed and confused, what is crossover uh, between thyroid and other conditions i think those are some of the main reasons if that makes sense
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well but now when you go to your doctor you can uh, if you're feeling tired depressed uh, maybe you're gaining weight you just don't feel like yourself very often i would think that most doctors would do some thyroid testing right some blood work um why does that miss the mark Often.
1: Well, yeah, you know, you would you would hope so. Uh, it depends on what doctor you go to. Um, when some of these symptoms are signs and symptoms of something like depression, which we can kind of get into that, then a lot of times, which I think we covered in another one of our discussions, but a lot of times those 15 to 20 minute appointments uh, with a, a therapist may not even include any blood work right Mm -hmm. and so you know you could if if that's the road that you go down because those are the predominant symptoms that you as an individual is noticing Mm -hmm. then that can even uh circumvent you know blood labs and blood work but on the you know back you know to the question of blood labs and blood work uh blood labs are not the best way to test for hypothyroidism, which I, I say hypothyroidism because uh, that is predominantly the uh, most common thyroid condition, right? 90% okay. of all thyroid sufferers are hypo or under uh, under functioning of the thyroid hormone system. Right. I say system because there's a whole lot of steps in there, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and that's and that blog article that people can go to on our website, I go deeper into those steps, the, you know, the 12 steps of the thyroid hormone cycle, everything from uh, uh, production to recycling, because there's a, always a balance that has to occur.
0: With mm-hmm. all these things.
1: But uh, then there's you know six patterns of, of, thi- of thyroid dysfunction. And so there's a small portion of people where that thyroid is over-functioning, but the best way, really, to assess this is to understand what is the thyroid hormone intended to do. Okay, it is the—it's the gas to our—it's the yeah—it's the gasoline and the gas pedal to our body system.
0: Oh, I love metaphors. So, Excellent.
1: Yeah, right. And so when we need and what does it control? It controls the metabolism within every single cell. Mm-hmm. Okay, the thyroid receptor for actual thyroid hormone is on the nucleus of the cell. So it's inside the cell membrane. And so its job is to trigger a response in the nucleus to kind of ramp up that, those metabolic processes that are coded into our DNA.
0: Okay, so hold on for a sec. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is, first of all, well, first of all, you've got to have enough thyroid hormone. Are we talking about T3?
1: That's the active. Well, well, I don't like to use active and inactive so much because of recent uh, understanding of T4 and T3. But classically and typically, you will hear a uh, doctor or other, you know, sort of practitioner in the functional world use T3, describing it as the active thyroid hormone.
0: Okay, so so it sounds like there might be some new information there that maybe would be good for you to share. But first, it, so you were saying that the receptor site is on the inside of the cell membrane. So that means that that thyroid hormone has to first of all, it's got to get inside of the cell.
1: That's right? correct, and that's one of those twelve steps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that's one of those twelve steps. I, I use some. Uh, I use a metaphor. Uh, in that blog article to, uh, you know, the kind of trickles throughout the 12 steps that, you, you know, I can get quite technical because that's the way I understand things. But uh, throughout those 12 steps, to try to use a metaphor that uh, gives you a way of, of relating, you know, the, the technical uh, things that I'm talking about to a practical understanding of mm-hmm. that. And so yeah, that, that's correct. So once the thyroid hormone finally, reaches inside the cell and hits the receptor on the nucleus membrane then it can do something with our metabolism which generally is, is ramp that up and so the real way to assess the, I should say the real best way to assess for the function of this entire thyroid hormone system is a is a mechanism of assessing your metabolism okay, mm-hmm, okay. and One of the easiest, and I would also say most, uh, what's the right word? Well, we'll just say best ways to to assess that metabolism because the metabolism is the sum total of the biochemical processes that are going on in the cell. Okay. And one of the products of that is heat. It gives off heat, and so our body temperature, surprisingly enough, something as simple as our body temperature, is a free at your home so it's very convenient way of assessing that metabolic function it's going on the level of metabolism
0: okay interesting so so that's why cold hands cold feet having a hard time staying warm uh, goes along with hypothyroid
1: you, you can say that there's some there's some relationship there there's there's uh also, some relationship to some of the fact that it's an autoimmune condition, that it's having some effect on uh, on the blood vessels, okay, mm-hmm. you know, because with these, with these immune-driven conditions or inflammation-driven uh, conditions, there's a lot of crossover between, you know, autoimmune conditions that you know about and you might have already diagnosed, and then the ones that are developing, right? Because this, this autoimmunity spills over from one system to the next. Uh, we know that if, if you've got one, you either are developing or you already have another. It may or may not be diagnosed yet, but that's just unfortunately the way it's going to be. There's about 90 uh, to maybe 100 different immune-driven autoimmune uh, types of conditions that at least at right now that we know about.
0: Oh my goodness. I had no idea it was that high. Yes.
1: that's why the world of autoimmunity is it's it's confusing but it is rewarding because you know the way i like to describe it to people is there's all these conditions all these diagnoses mm-hmm. and even the new england journal of medicine uh, has documented that 75 to 90% somewhere in there of all of the diagnoses are chronic inflammation driven so you've got if you can imagine in your mind's eye you've got all these myriad of of diagnoses at 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 an upper level. And then at the level right below it, you've got inflammation, because they're all foundationally resting on this inflammation question. And then under that, you've got, well, what's really causing the inflammation? And so when you're treating an autoimmune condition, including thyroid, you're literally at least two levels off of actually treating the cause of the problem because you've got the diagnosis up here, which is usually what's being treated. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I, I certainly agree that treating it naturally, say with uh, an Armour Thyroid, natural uh, thyroid hormone, is maybe better than certainly uh, certainly some medications. Some of the thyroid medications have gluten in them, or at least mm-hmm. they have, and they're removing some of those, which can in- drive the inflammation further. but. Uh, if you're not treating the causes of the inflammation, which is underlying, you know, two levels down from the diagnosis, well, no wonder the no wonder it's frustrating and confusing. The typical treatment somebody will undergo, and then that's one thing that with the stop the thyroid madness, madness that's one of the things that I remember as I was listening to that podcast. It really struck me is is everything, <laughs> everything uh, she was saying resonated with me very well but it made me want to be able to pick up a phone and call her and say hey there's actually a, a deeper level to being able to stop the madness because there are some answers for these things it's right. just it's not it's not the level of treating whether it's with uh synthetic or natural
0: right so what you're saying is that really you're, you are treating symptoms but you're not really getting at the cause
1: with traditional treatment methods mm-hmm. uh-huh mm-hmm.
0: yeah traditionally okay. Um, Katie, do you have anything that you'd like to jump in and
2: add? You guys are a little out of my scope right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's
0: because we're talking about about the etiology of thyroid and adrenal issues. And your specialty is more about what do you do about it with exercise and, and workouts and training in in, interval training resistance training whatever you know how do you help get your body back into health right i I
1: imagine i imagine katie has some actually uh some pretty specific observations about uh people's metabolism and (laughs) and how that filters into her her level of support with people and where she
2: right So for us we often see those people, you know, I'd be lying if I said that they weren't just coming to look looking to incorporate fitness into their lives because they wanted to feel better, but oftentimes there's a physical driver behind it. They wanna they wanna change some sort of physical aspect of it. And sometimes we're seeing these people that have tried and are saying they're doing all of those right things, which is where some of these thyroid issues and some of these underlying issues are more obvious because on paper they are doing all of these great things for themselves, but it's not leading to those results that they are hoping they should be achieving at this point. And that's usually a good indicator for us to look for those outside resources that something much bigger is going on because their body maybe not to their ultimate goal but should be responding accordingly if if they're implementing these these fitness and kind of general nutrition practices.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm So I think what I'm hearing you saying is that when you're working with someone, if you're not getting the results that one would expect, that then maybe looking into, is there a, a thyroid adrenal issue, a, a metabolism issue of some sort that needs to be addressed?
2: But I think some of, you know, some of the, the general population that we see, again, if they're coming to us for these kind of physical aspects that they want to lose some weight or if they use that tone, that term pwn up, um, that if they've been struggling with this for a long time and maybe they're not in tune with other symptoms that their body is telling us, because I'm sure you see this often, Dr. Matt, that once you start to ask these questions, maybe people are more aware, maybe they weren't aware that it wasn't normal. So we can kind of dig a little bit deeper if, if we're not kind of seeing that physical progress happening mm-hmm. um, based on implementing some of these behaviors with them.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah. And I, and I do. I think that's, you know, some of the power in working together closely as a team is when you can, you know, not only certainly have resources uh, to support, but if you can, uh, through enhanced communication between uh, practitioners, if you can have these communications, these educations, then, you know, everybody, in my experience, everybody looks a little smarter. And that's not the you know end goal, but it's more supportive of clients, and they realize that, right? It's they're more uh, when they're better supported, when they have a higher level of understanding coming from their practitioners, they're happier, and they 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 stick around uh, with the programs that they need to be on longer, and and I you know. A really smart person told me. uh, I guess it's getting on many years ago. I've been doing this a while. (laughs) But the, the 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 two reasons people leave a practitioner, a healthcare practitioner, is because they don't understand them, or they don't feel like they they feel like they don't care. And so that's one of the I think that's one of the biggest things we need to understand. And there's a lot of ways to address that, both in our own education and our communication skills. Uh, and then you know, certainly having things such as a supportive team sort of a format with which to or highly provide a supportive environment and an, an environment of understanding.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. So let's, let's, yeah, I'd like to move to uh, chemical disruptors because I just read an article Uh, I think it was my favorite news magazine, The Week, that, uh, let's see. Well, most people use a fluoride toothpaste. Mm. And what the article was saying, I should have gotten it out, but anyway, it was saying that, that children tend to use a big gob of toothpaste on their toothbrush, and then they're swallowing a lot of it. And because there's fluoride in their toothpaste, they're being told they should, parents should guide their kids to just have a tiny little bit of toothpaste on their toothbrush Mm -hmm. because it has fluoride in it. So obviously, it's known that there are problems with fluoride. (laughs) Otherwise, who cares how much toothpaste you're putting on your your brush and, and whether you're swallowing it or not? Uh, and for those who do use fluoride toothpaste, you can get toothpaste without fluoride. But so I thought it might be a good idea to to talk about these disrupting chemicals and and, and how broma, bromine, fluorine, and chlorine uh, c- compete with iodine and how that can be a problem.
1: Sure. Uh, and just to kind of uh, further support your... Kind uh, your statement there that you can get uh, fluoride, uh, non-fluoride toothpaste. You know, well, uh, the favorite toothpaste in my in my house is a sea salt toothpaste, mm. and it, it's great, Janine. It, it's absolutely great. Well, you know that. There's also plant-based toothpastes, and it, you know if somebody has any problems finding those then they certainly can reach out we can point them in the direction of that. That's one of the things we specialize in is providing information on a lot of personal care and household uh, type of products that are non-toxic, right? But yeah, the the the, broma, the bromide fluoride chlorine these are part of a family of of ha- halides and mm-hmm. you'll see this family all in a row on the periodic table of, of elements. So bromine is probably one of the more well-recognized halides that we will find in some of our foods, especially the baked goods, it'll actually get incorporated into thyroid hormone, the T3 and the T4 that uh, gets put out, excreted by the thyroid gland. And when your body picks up on this, well, this is where the immune system starts to come into action, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So we've got 90% 90% of all these autoimmune conditions are autoimmune. So it's really important to identify where, mm-hmm. where is it getting activated. There's some other places where the halide family, uh, where fluoride will uh, we're finding, is uh, becoming incorporated into pituitary glands. So some of these places in the brain uh, will collect a lot of of some of these, and the hypothalamus pituitary axis we call it is very important for these endocrine systems that both the thyroid and the adrenals a lot of people might recognize HPA axis and in some conversations with uh, doctors functional you know doctors especially chiropractors uh, DOs people naturopaths people that are uh, in these realms and so uh, even outside of maybe you know how we said bromine actually gets incorporated into thyroid hormone and makes it not viable for carrying out what the thyroid hormone hormone is supposed to do. You know, that's just one of the uh, thyroid disrupting chemicals that, that we know about. Um, and many of these disrupting chemicals uh, are literally found in the amniotic fluid.
0: Mm, hmm So, so, uh, talking about the bromine, Matt, is, now that, that's in baked goods. Is that something that you can look on a label and see if it's in there yes. or not?
1: no i not that i'm aware of that is unfortunately it would be really uh convenient if we could look at a label or packaging and would say uh bromine free right but
0: <laughs> well is bromine is it a
1: it's i think
0: why is it as in bromine? as
1: i under, yeah as, as far as i understand it it's really something that happens more in the in say the mass production okay. right so industrial industrial food manufacturing that is you know become more of the norm over you know decade after decade as big companies are producing more they have to process this stuff refine it and these sort of um, commercial manufacturing techniques that allow it to have longer shelf life things like that as far as I understand it's more of that processing and in the mass scale production where bromine becomes a factor.
0: in mm-hmm. these. Okay. And so it's my understanding then that the, the real issue with uh, like fluorine and bromine is that the iodine that attaches to the thyroid molecule can get knocked off and a bromine or a, a fluoride fluorine, I'm not sure whether to say fluoride or fluorine, can actually take that place. When you do a test for T4, that that test can't differentiate between a a T4 that has iodine attached or whether it has fluoride attached or bromine or something else. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, sh- sure. Uh, we'll we'll t- talk about that a bit because it's, uh, I would say that's partially correct. You know, if we're really drilling down on this subject, then we'll just kind of make sure that's clear for everybody. Uh, you know, first off, how do you say it? Uh, the bromine, bromide, fluorine, fluoride. Mm-hmm. It's more about the form that it is. Okay. So I, really, both of those are mostly talking about the same thing. Okay. It's just okay. kind of what kind of molecular form that that's in. But bromine is the one that is more responsible for replacing the iodine. You know, as you say, the iodine gets kicked off or kicked Mm -hmm. out, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas when I mentioned that we find fluoride showing up in pituitary glands, that's although fluoride might not be classically a problem of kicking out iodine, it'll still disrupt the overall flow. Of thyroid hormone processing in the body. You know, we got to remember that the the T3, T4 that comes out of the thyroid gland, that is merely one step out of the, the 12 steps that I look at and recognize and try to break down where is this thyroid loop being disrupted? Because, mm-hmm. well, you know, ultimately we have to excrete thyroid hormone it has to get to its site of activity it has to get into the cell it has to hit the nucleus that creates a metabolic response right controlling Mm -hmm. metabolism and then our brain ultimately is picking up on the fact that that happened based on what the brain's picking up it then communicates back to the thyroid gland so there's this whole loop of activity that happens and so anywhere along that loop and we can kind of you know, I don't know if we really want to go deep, deep into the 12 steps. We can talk about patterns of thyroid dis- uh, disruption. I think that might be important, but, you know, we can give people um, access to something to read. I've written a blog article about this where we actually do break down those, those 12 steps. But even if it's the brain, mm-hmm. right, we might have actually achieved the right metabolic. Uh, effect that we were looking for there in the cell. But if the brain isn't picking up on that and able to communicate back to the thyroid gland properly, then maybe it's breaking down there. And so if, fluor- if fluorine fluoride is affecting the function of the, that you know, brainstem, the lower brain, I should say, that hypothalamus pituitary signaling of the thyroid gland, well, that can be a A cause or the cause mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people like to th- a lot of people would like to think that there's only one cause you know for these things, but unfortunately uh, that's not always the truth. We find that sometimes uh, there's multiple reasons why something like thyroid function or other things are breaking down in the body.
0: Got it, got it. So what you're saying because I used to think it was fluoride, but as far as the uh, the the t four t three molecules, so you're saying it's more bromine.
1: Well, and there's other sorts of uh, disrupting chemicals and and heavy metal toxicities. I think you know we've even uh, maybe even privately chatted about this mm-hmm. a bit in the past, mm-hmm. where other sorts of heavy metal uh, toxicities could have influenced that hypothalamus or pituitary. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, even if you successfully detoxed some of these things. There might need to be some support to get everything clicking again, to get everything back on track.
0: Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So what are some of the other chemical disruptors then?
1: Sure. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's a pretty decent list. We know that PCBs...
0: Now, where did the PCBs come from?
1: Sure. The PCBs are one of the chemicals that uh, we'll find in, in plastics. Okay. Okay. PCBs, BC, uh, BPAs, things like that. BPAs are also uh, termed phenols. There's f- uh, flame retardants. So a lot of these things come from sources that are in packaging, uh, lining of cans uh, mm-hmm. for canned goods. Uh, they might be show up with, as uh, like as, such as flame retardants as. New curtains, you know, new a new couch, new carpet in the in the home, you know, in the office could be some em- emissions off of plastics from in an automobile. Okay, so
0: you're breathing them in then.
1: You're you? breathing them in as opposed right. it, to it, okay. Yeah you you don't have to uh, you don't have to lick the curtains,
0: right? Aha. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Or cosmetics, there's uh, phthalates uh, mm-hmm. that are found in plastics and in cosmetics and in, in some foods, uh, parabens, one, one of the things that's up in arms about sunscreen, mm-hmm. you know, uh, again, found in cosmetics or foods, uh, certain pesticides, herbicides, and they can, interestingly enough, like with a pesticide or herbicide, and this somewhat trickles into the GMO or non GMO uh, conversation, but mm-hmm. pesticides and herbicides can not only disrupt directly thyro- uh, thyroid hormone function, but it'll affect the gut, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, it could, this could be a completely separate influence on inflammation in the body, the gut as a source. And and just add to the disruption of thyroid function uh, or maybe, you know, we should say metabolism function Mm -hmm. in the body. Mm -hmm. There's even more direct emerging evidence that, again, besides any sort of potential GMOs might have on microbiome, things like that, in and of itself is a endocrine disruptor on the production of thyroid hormone and potentially even uh, cellular receptors and even the clearance of the thyroid hormone from the cell at its uh, point of activating the nucleus and metabolism.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now when you're saying GMOs, are you specifically talking about a genetically modified seed or are you talking about the fact that the GMOs that are modified to be able to withstand the herbicide Roundup and glyphosate? Right.
1: I think at this point the understanding is primitive in that they m- haven't maybe figured out the exact mechanism there they're just seeing some of the relationships got it
0: okay right <clears throat> okay hmm interesting so so
1: unfortunately there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there that can disrupt
0: right so it's it's becoming more and more obvious through this conversation that just going to your doctor and getting a T4 TSH tests which are usually what they will start out with it's a a, a one step but it's not really going to give you a picture of what what the heck is going on in the body
1: No a- absolutely not uh when we look at a full thyroid panel, there's typically nine different markers that will look at. Now, That's not even all of the thyroid uh, tests that you could look at, but those do include both free and bound fractions of T3 and T4. So there's four tests itself right there. Mm -hmm. There's a reverse T3 that is Uh, So reverse T3, you can think of as it's a version of T3, but it's an opposite. And Hmm. so it'll fit in the T3 receptors on the nucleus, but it won't have the same action. So it's literally a thyroid blocker that's naturally produced by your body. And we find that that version of T3, the inactive or the reverse T3, is elevated when there's elevated adrenal response, okay? So uh, again, that opens up the actual foundational cause to be anything that's promoting inflammation in the body. And and that's a whole, you know, another conversation that we've had somewhat, uh, some before.
0: Mm-hmm. So are you saying that reverse T3 is linked to high cortisol, can be linked to high cortisol?
1: Correct. Okay. If I see that a reverse mm-hmm. T3 is elevated, then I'm looking at, okay, what is it that is, increasing that adrenal function chronically Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so it could be as simple as stressors Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. we know that our adrenals you know kick in when we're stressed just the emotional stresses but we have to keep our eyes open to the gut and, and all the myriad of things that could be going on there uh, as a source of inflammation, dental as a source of inflammation.
0: Let's let's uh, talk about dental for a moment, because I think gut inflammation, leaky gut, I, I think I was just even reading an article recently in the week about, uh, they're talking about gut inflammation now and the importance of the gut. So that is becoming more mainstream, but I really don't think that people pay enough attention to the possibility of uh, the mouth and inflammation coming from the mouth and the teeth Mm -hmm. and the gums. Yeah,
1: I think it's easier to understand why these things are the factors they are uh, on, on these topics when you realize that the entire GI tract, which the mouth is included in that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the respiratory system, the skin of our body, they're all the same tissue.
0: Mm-hmm. Literally, okay.
1: it's, it's epithelial tissue. That tissue is meant to be a semi-permeable barrier, okay? Or mm-hmm. a, uh, a selective barrier. Uh-huh. might be an even that, a better yeah. way to say that. It, uh-huh. yeah. So only certain things get in. And Mm -hmm. certain things get out. We sweat out toxins, Mm -hmm. right? Well, so it's meant for things to go out and it's meant for things to come in. We put sunscreen on our skin and those parabens get into our body and they disrupt thyroid, okay? So Mm -hmm. uh, makeup, you know, we talked about all these these toxins that can disrupt. So it's a two-way street that only certain things can pass through. So what ends up happening is that we... Have to have vectors okay, or ways for these disruptors to get into the body, and so that's really the the commonality between the gut, which we're talking about more now, we're understanding more now, and dental mm-hmm. right and with dental, there's a couple big ones that I can really- t- uh, touch on that's actual say gingivitis and and you, what you might think of gum disease. Mm-hmm. Right. So, bleeding
0: gums—if um, when you brush your teeth, your gums
1: bleed—absolutely. That if if that's something that's happening, that's something you need to take care of because it will make a huge impact on your health and the uh, systemic inflammation, and it will cut off a vector that some of these organisms get into the body. I think. We just had some new information start to trickle out over the last month about finding gingivitis bacteria in plaques uh, with Alzheimer's disease.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. So another example of a vector or a pathway in for these organisms to get in, if you've got bleeding gums, that is absolutely a sign to get On that problem. Uh, We can talk a little bit about how you can help fix that problem, but I also want to say that you don't have to let it get that far. Right. 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 Uh, You should be seeing a dentist that measures your gums every time you go in. Okay. (laughs) Do you know Sorry, what i'm talking I'm laugh- about
0: i'm laughing because i've i've had gum issues for most of my life and and they're always sticking that little thing in there and measuring my <laughs> measuring <laughs> to see how deep the pocket is in the back there that's, that's right
1: <laughs> and, and if i'm not mistaken you know i'm not a dentist but i've if i'm not mistaken this is what my dentist taught me cuz you better believe that at this point in my life knowing some of this i go to somebody who does that every time mm-hmm. but when, when they measure something over uh, three, uh, three millimeters, that's enough space for bacteria to start to get up in there. And that's when the problem really starts to go downhill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If they're measuring and you start to hear numbers like five, seven, ten then you've got too much space you, like you referred to a pocket mm-hmm. you've got some receding gum line going on yep. and there's things that I can I can actually provide a little bit of advice to help deal with that right mm-hmm. okay. because hey it, well, at one point in my life I had these you know just it sounds like you too had these measuring at high at high levels and so my gums were uh, something that I needed to take take care of a bit. And so what I was taught to do was to buy one of these water picks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where you have, you've got a basin, you've got the little, the little jet that shoots out mm-hmm. and – Put about an ounce, maybe an ounce and a half of food grade hydrogen peroxide.
0: I knew that's what you were going to say. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, th- this is not the hydrogen peroxide you get down at the corner store, mm-hmm. generally, mm-hmm. right? This is something like a, I think it's like a, even like a, maybe a thirty-six mm-hmm. percent hydrogen mm-hmm. peroxide. So it's mm-hmm. very strong hydrogen peroxide, and
0: you so can you get that... that on Amazon, by the way, um, can you? because yeah. I've bought it. I use it when I'm making sprouts in my sprout maker. There you go. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that's where I got it from.
1: Okay. Yeah, absolutely, and you can and you can definitely get, which is where I got mine, those water picks on Amazon. You know, you might say you want to give a little bit of business to your your health food store, corner sure, store, absolutely. You can, but but if if that isn't an option, if you can't find it, then then get it somewhere and, and mm-hmm. you know, get it at Amazon if you need to. What you do then is you just mix that together and and use you know clean filtered water, right? Mm-hmm. Use a clean mm-hmm. water source. I think is just should go without saying to to some degree. There's actually a an applicator that comes from that uh, water pick that is my favorite to use, and it's really designed for braces, it's people mm, with braces, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's got on the end a little tip, a little brush, just tiny little brush bristles, mm. and you just take it and you go along the gum line at the top of the tooth, maybe down uh, the, the line in between the teeth, and, and sure, that's going to get out, you know, any particulate matter that's in there, which is a benefit. But especially when you use that brush, uh, you, you kind of kind of massage the gum line a little bit and you, you almost a little arch right mm-hmm, at the top mm-hmm. of the tooth where you, you go along the gum line and do that, you know, front and back, uh, especially for people. I'll say this that might have, you know, because I've got some wisdom teeth that I've opted not to to take out, but I have to kind of keep a little bit better care of. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And so when I first was taught this, I had one of those wisdom teeth that showed quite a bit of bacterial infection kind of in the little pocket that was there that it was was causing. So you can really take that jet and like get get down in there in those pockets along the gum line, Mm -hmm. uh, front and back of the teeth. And that will completely reverse the issue of this gum disease. You know, when you start doing it, It in and of itself may cause just a bit of bleeding, Mm all right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You will see the little white foam you get with
0: peroxide right? and it'll tingle, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, it might Mm -hmm. even hurt just a little bit. But if you're doing it regularly, your gums will get healthier, stronger, and that will will stop, right? So don't be worried or detracted from doing it just because that's your experience the first, you know few times you do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. Because I, I, I think a lot of people besides you and I in our lifetime have had gum issues. And that's really important. And that's so simple. And there are lots of varieties of, of water picks. You know, it's not that expensive. And that's easy to do. And how often do you have to do it? Do you have to do it every day? Or can you... You know, uh,
1: you know uh, I was taught to do it every day. Um, I kind of think of it though as the dentist knows that if they tell you to do it every day and you do it, you know, <laughs> every other day or a few times a week, then that's a win for them. It's kind of like when I tell people to drink sixty percent of their body weight in water daily, and it's it's a win if they're doing fifty, right? Right.
0: right. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, and I would say that if yeah, do it every day until your gums stop bleeding, right? And yeah, then yeah. and then as a maintenance. Up, you know, my gut instinct is like three times a week would probably be very good for most people.
1: It's going to be, it's going to be very good for you. And then the other thing to touch on, and, and this might be a little bit more well-known and, and I don't have a way to fix this necessarily, but you need to be aware of uh, the root canals. Right.
0: I was right? going to ask about that. Yep.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. so pay attention if there's along the gums, any Areas that are a bit more red than pink, mm-hmm. uh, you could have the, you know an infection there. And the pro- problem really is, is that once you have a root canal, what's not there? The root. It's mm-hmm. obliterated. Right. Right? Those get infected because part of that root isn't just nerve. It's blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And there's a fluid that is exuded or it comes out of every one of your live teeth. Okay? Mm-hmm. Your, your, mm-hmm. your teeth are actually teeny tiny hardened tubes. Very tiny. And there's a fluid that is continuously coming out of all of the live teeth from the fluid in the blood vessel. So once the roots obliterated and gone, those tubes, if all you do – if you get a um, – what, what do they call it? If you get a, a prosthetic, a, an implant. An implant, right? yep. It, the implant is really the way to go. It's it's more expensive, but it's going to uh, eliminate a lot of the potential for getting these uh, root canals infected. But if you already have some sort of cap or you know false you know bit of a tooth that's on there, something like that, the tubes that there's no more fluid coming out anymore, bacteria can crawl up it. You know, it's like it's thinking mm-hmm. of like the garden hose outside your house. You know, right. if the water's on, on you know, on the faucet, nothing's going to crawl up in that hose. But if it's off, something could crawl up in that hose. Right. 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 And I will give just a, a quick tidbit. Um, and you do notice that there's, you know, a likely infection there. Again, you're not going to feel it because the nerve's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. In, in most cases. But you can get little anti. Bacterial tinctures. And I find the tinctures work the best because they're alcohol based, they absorb very well, and they'll usually have, you know, anywhere two to maybe four different antibacterial herbal components in there. And you can, you can use those to, to directly put on that tissue of the mm-hmm. gum. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just kind of uh, use that. So as not to leave people high and dry if they're not able to, you know, if it's going to take a while before they can get that implant done and clean out that, that area uh, before kind of getting back. Lastly, to the, the last thyroid hormone blood marker mm-hmm. that, that we were talking about was, was T3 uptake. Okay. okay. and And that is a measurement of how well the T3, once it's converted, is getting into a cell, crossing that cell membrane. And that's, you know, one of the very important steps for it to be able to then hit the nucleus and have mm-hmm. its metabolism effect. So those are the thyroid numbers that you can look at in a full panel. Now, on most people that do a full panel because they're they're inexpensive enough, we'll go ahead and we'll add at least, the, you know, on an initial evaluation, the hypothyroid autoimmune antibodies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and uh, thyroglobulin, which is the transport protein that takes it from the thyroid hormone to a distant site in the body, you know, muscle cell, liver cell, brain cell, whatnot, mm-hmm. where the, where it needs to go. The T3 and T4 attach to these thyroglobulin molecules. And it's kind of like a semi truck taking it all, you know, to somewhere, somewhere way down the highway. These are very typical when you have hypothyroid, which is most people's uh, issue out Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. that you can check. There is absolutely, if you suspect Graves' disease and autoimmune hyperthyroid, Mm -hmm. you can do thyroid-stimulating antibodies. So that's a more complete thyroid blood panel. But even so, which I know we kind of touched on earlier, it's really about metabolism, that thyroid hormone right. is supposed to regulate metabolism and so evaluating that metabolism is something you don't even need the blood tests to do.
0: Right. You know, cuz so the blood tests So before we get, get be- into metabolism, yeah. let's just I'd like you to list so if people would like to get a pen and paper out and sure. just what tests for lab work if somebody sure. goes to their doctor and they they want to hand them this piece of paper and say I would like to have these tests done. Just give a list and then we'll go right, right into metabolism.
1: Yeah, sure. So go ahead and get the TSH, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Get the TSH. Get your T4, Mm -hmm. both free, F R E E, Mm -hmm. and total. Okay. Get a T3, free and total. Mm -hmm. Get a reverse T3. Mm -hmm. Get a T3 uptake, or sometimes nowadays they're calling it TH. BR T- or THRB THBR I uh, forget the, that word but the reuptake okay, okay. of T3 okay. and then your potentially based on what your maybe what your symptoms you know seem like your autoimmune antibodies right either the T for ha- for Hashimoto's evaluation and hypothyroid, you're looking at TPO, T-P-O. antibodies yep. thyroid peroxidase antibodies mm-hmm. and the uh, thyroid thyroglobulin TBG okay. antibodies. Okay. For if you're suspecting a autoimmune hyperthyroid, then you want to look at the thyroid stimulating antibodies, okay? okay. And and then it really depends at that point, it depends on who's looking at your labs. Because I think you know, uh, with working with functional doctors, or rather than, you know, say your more standard endocrinologist or primary, they look at them very differently, right? Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. functional doctors look at these same values through a lens of what's optimal function, mm-hmm. which is a much narrower view of you know where is your lab values at compared to the allopathic physician traditionally which is looking at a much broader high and low value which i tend to look at as the path pathologic mm-hmm. right range mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's usually somewhere in between optimal and the broader pathologic range that we find the dysfunctions that can be changed by lifestyle and by some of these life hacks or biohacks, like how do you take care of your dental, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can make those sorts of changes. And you would miss those if you're just having a doctor look at it that's only going to look at these broad you know, disease ranges, Right. if that makes right. some sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. Okay, so now let's get into metabolism. Yeah. And what that means. Why don't we start with why is metabolism important and how you can test that easily at home?
1: Sure. Well, meta- your metabolism is the sum total of all the chemistry that's that's going on in your body, the chemical reactions, the biochem the biochemistry. And what it does in terms of something that you can uh, well, number one, that metabolism is going to filter, you know, down the line into things like your energy levels, your, you know, how well your body is controlling its, its weight, right? Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And obviously we'll have Katie talk a bit about that because that's might be a, a, one of the major reasons why people are, you know, looking to increase their activity, you know, and their, and their exercise. But one thing that we can look at, as a result of what our level of metabolism is, that these reactions, these chemical reactions, uh, are what we call exothermic. They give off heat. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And so, without even doing a blood test, you can rate what level it's functioning at, and there are some optimal numbers there, right? Okay. And so, what you would do before you get out of bed in the morning, you mm-hmm. actually take a thermometer – and you don't move because you don't want to really get your activity level going, you take a thermometer and you stick it under the armpit. Okay. Okay. And for, you know, about three, maybe five days, you actually take the average body temperature because that is a, again, it's a measurement of what is the heat that is being given off from your body. And what we know is we know that there's if your metabolism is working uh, in an optimal way, then there's a range that we're going to find this operating in. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I feel is important in this assessment, because, again, the thyroid and adrenal glands are, say, the gas and the brakes of the body, is that you couple that measurement, that temperature measurement with uh, your pulse rate. Okay, because Mm -hmm. if that pulse rate is elevated at certain times, then that could be a reason why the thyroid and the body temperature is lower. And so, what we'll do is we'll train people to, when they want to assess this uh, most fully, to take that morning measurement.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, Mm -hmm. take a measurement just after breakfast, so when the body's starting to digest food, and then also take a measurement in the afternoon. What you're really looking for is you're looking for that measurement to be, if we're talking, to be above 97.8. If we're talking Fahrenheit, I think that's about 36 and a half or so when we're talking uh, Celsius. Because, again, most of what people are using this for is to see if their thyroid is too sluggish, right? If that metabolism is too sluggish. So Mm -hmm. you kind of want it to be above that.
0: Okay. Okay. All right.
1: So you want to take it three times and each time, each of those three times also do a pulse measurement, Mm -hmm. beats per minute.
0: Okay. You have graphs, charts that people can use and instructions that people can uh, use on your website, correct?
1: Yeah, we'll. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's absolutely correct. We'll provide that. There's a testing process flow chart that mm-hmm. you can use to understand where you're at. You know, you just follow through the yeses or nos on the flow chart. And there's also then a log that uh, provides, you know, a nice convenient place where you can record these okay. measurements.
0: Great. And we'll have links that people can just click on on mm-hmm. the podcast website. Awesome. Thanks for doing that. Sure. Okay, so uh, while we're talking about metabolism, uh, I think Katie had some uh, information that she wanted to bring forth here. Are you still with us, Katie? You've been patiently waiting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so one of those items that we had talked on before was that idea that a lot of people, when they're starting an exercise program is from that metabolic side of things. They've maybe seen their metabolism slow down, more so seen their body, their bodies start to change. And that might be the reason that they're looking to incorporate exercise. So when that starts to happen, if we're not sure if this thyroid issue is part of the cause of that, but they're kind of starting to move in that right direction, Some good indicators that we can see that maybe there are bigger things going on is the idea that they're starting to move more. They're starting to incorporate kind of those right forms of exercise. We know that their nutrition is kind of moving in the right direction if it wasn't before, yet their body physically isn't changing. And in some cases, maybe they're feeling worse after the wrong form of exercise. They're Mm -hmm. feeling worse after... Starting to incorporate kind of these higher intensity cardiovascular forms of exercise that are going to be kind of counterintuitive to what their body needs at that time if they're struggling with a thyroid issue. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what happened to me. I was doing a really fun aerobic exercise that I really enjoyed, and and I always felt really good afterwards and really energized. And then when my thyroid crashed. I kept doing it and I started feeling worse afterwards. I found out that I needed not to do aerobics. I needed to find something more non-aerobic to do.
2: Right. Yeah. So that's where kind of that, that steady state of cardio or even those higher intensity interval forms of cardiovascular exercise are really kind of counterintuitive. You know, at this point, a lot of times when people look to exercise, they think that like more is better. If I don't push, I'm not going to get anywhere, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Um, And again, that's kind of this counterintuitive mindset. Um, When somebody's struggling with this thyroid issue, they really need to learn to be much more in tune with their body and kind of honoring how they're feeling on certain days. And yes, movement can be great and absolutely helpful for them, but we don't want to push to that point of them feeling shaky or weak. Or excessively sore. We don't want to necessarily get to this point where our body is releasing even more cortisol than we need, and we're already struggling with that from other aspects. So, some of those recommendations that we take with people is to start to incorporate you know, more meditative, you had mentioned again, from your own journey, kind of finding Pilates, things Mm. like that, yoga and Pilates, where it's a lower intensity, there's still kind of a strength component to it without that cardiovascular side of things. And I never like to dismiss the idea of the importance of the strength side of it. We know that that lean muscle mass on our body can really help our metabolism start to shift in the right direction if all of those other components are working in our favor as well. So finding ways to incorporate, whether it's body weight, resistance bands, even outside weight um, that we're incorporating to help to keep that muscle mass in that kind of optimal level for our body so that that can work in conjunction of helping to kind of change our metabolism as well.
0: Mhm, mhm. Meeting the person where they're at that's what I really loved about Pilates and uh, and yoga. There were days I would go in, and what I really needed was more stretching and there were other days where I needed more you know more actual you know muscle building and and I always left feeling way better than you know even if I had a headache and I felt like crap, I'd drag myself. <laughs> to her studio for Pilates or yoga or Qigong or whatever she felt would be most helpful for me on that day.
2: Right. It is, again, kind of being very in tune with that body. Not necessarily, there may be times when you need to give yourself that pass, but not necessarily always giving yourself that pass of doing nothing, but some of that body movement can absolutely help you feel better. But knowing, when is the right time to push, when is the right time to kind of sit back and just kind of go through those motions, get some movement, kind of be in that kind of breathing meditative state of exercise as well can be hugely important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great.
0: So what I hear you saying is that exercise is important when somebody is uh, recovering or in the process of working with uh, low thyroid maybe you can't continue with your, your routine of heavy exercise and really pushing the envelope, and maybe you need to modify that.
2: Right. And again, that good indicator of it, it not being a good fit is if you're leaving feeling worse or feeling worse in the days following. Mm -hmm. That's a, a good indicator, again, not that there isn't, you know some pain and soreness associated right. with with exercising, but there's a good and appropriate level of that. And if you are feeling less energized overall and more physically beat down, that's you know for us and and your body isn't moving in the right direction in terms of those metabolic changes or weight loss or you know the building of that lean muscle mass. That's a bigger indicator that something something else is going on because. Mm. And if all those factors are kind of in play um, and you're not losing the weight that you want to lose and you're, you're still feeling sluggish and even though your eating is better and you're moving more and then even after workouts, you're, you're feeling pain and discomfort for an extended period of time that's not normal, that can be a really good indicator that it was too much for your body and, and there's some sort of reason that your body isn't adapting well to that form of exercise. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and I think it, it's one thing I like to talk about, too, is stepping, really stepping into the shoes of that person, that body that's experiencing that. And I think that, you know, just imagine if, if you are, uh, you are kind of suffering from one of these problems. Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't. If you know it, you're probably being treated for it. You may not be being treated by a functional practitioner or a cause-based medicine practitioner that does a lot of the things that I might do, but you're being treated, you know, with medication, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're also recognizing and you're working with a, a fitness tra- expert trainer who, and you're starting to feel like this. How is that going to impact your treatment? There's something going on physiologically when we're feeling bad after that when we're not Mm -hmm. going the right direction Mm -hmm. and so what's that doctor going to do that might be unaware of the physical activity you're putting in they're going to start to tweak your medications aren't they (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I just think that is a point that we like to really acknowledge with you know as functional health team it's you know part of the reason Katie and I are both here talking is that there is a huge benefit and a higher level of understanding when you've got practitioners that are working together, when you are looking at more than one factor, when your team is is really aware of what's going on otherwise. And, uh, and I think that's just another a factor to be very aware of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Does, does that make some sense what yes. I'm saying there?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're starting to run out of time. What I'd like to do to end is, I don't think we've talked about some of the misdiagnoses or conditions that cross over with thyroid adrenal issues. Just for our listeners to be aware, if if they have some of these symptoms or if they've been diagnosed with with any conditions and they're finding that they're you know they're doing whatever they're supposed to be doing but they're still not feeling better and maybe they really need to look deeper into the thyroid and adrenal issues what are some of those other kinds of conditions or issues that people get diagnosed with that maybe it it really isn't that maybe it really is a th- thyroid as the, the cause?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, there's about six or seven patterns depending on if you're just talking about hypothyroidism and the majority of the population's issues with thyroid or if you're including hyperthyroid in that. There's six or seven patterns that we could really break it down to and it can really be attributed and, and or cross over with something as simple as oral contraceptive use
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Okay.
1: To misdiagnosis for one of the more common ones is uh, emotional disorders. Right. Mm -hmm. Depression Mm -hmm. is is huge. So much depression. People are being potentially being treated for depression, but it's a thyroid problem. Right. Right. And one of the realities here is that if your thyroid is decreased in function uh, some of the time, and then it's going to fight back a bit. And there's there's some switching between symptoms here. And so you've, we've got really depression that shows up, anxiety that shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're going back and forth between some of these, you got the bipolar spectrum that's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how frequently I have clients come and say, Dr. Matt, my hair is falling out. Let, help me stop it now, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this is where we often find that there's things like uh, even a non-celiac gluten sensitivity is very highly related with these types of thyroid uh, and alopecia autoimmune issues, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Arrhythmias of the heart, tachycardia. That'll be just a p- primary diagnosis that, that people will be being treated for uh, and on medications for, and, and really it's a thyroid issue in in a lot of cases. Uh, constipation, diarrhea go along with hy- uh, hyper and hypothyroidism, uh, tremors, insomnia, infertility, just. Plain and simple menstrual problems
0: mm-hmm.
1: will mm-hmm. be, you know, confused there, uh, and and again that could be because of a of a medication or for other mitochondrial reasons, uh, inflammation reasons, C- chronic mm-hmm. fatigue. I think is is probably not too hard to under, understand there yeah. if our metabolism, <laughs> you know, is not working right. Dry skin, uh, brain fog is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's various liver conditions because that liver is going to convert a full 25% of that T4 into the active T3. We kind of talked about some of these maybe unknown toxicities and those thyroid disrupting chemicals, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. simply chronic stress and therefore, you know, adrenal dysfunction and that even in the earth's early stages where the adrenals are elevated uh, again, when you're even doing that temperature test, you want to test that that pulse. How are the adrenals uh, corresponding to any sort of fluctuation in thyroid uh, or metabolism and and function and therefore heat? Mm -hmm. Gut issues, your gut infections can be underlying. And so you could be treated for being treated for thyroid and you could have leaky gut, food allergies, a, a candida, some sort of parasite, bacterial infections, or simply the right types of organisms, just overgrowth and and SIBO, uh, mm-hmm. could be going on. We talked about dental; that's mm-hmm. a very common one to to be undiagnosed. There, uh, other sorts of infections that are, don't really have to do maybe with uh, what's actively going on in the gut or dental. You know, I, there's one uh, there's a test I do on on a number of clients. That tests for, you know, I think it's like 29 different uh, pathogens, some of them viral, some of them bacterial. Uh, One of the common ones that just literally, well, there's some mimicry that goes on. So there's a Yersinia organism, a bacteria, that part of its structural components on the cell membrane look very similar to structural components of thyroid. And so the immune system, when it mounts an attack against this bacteria, the, the same immune response will then spread to the thyroid just because it looks like it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. H. pylori is one of those that gets uh, that gets misrecognized. Hepatitis C, chlamydias, Epstein-Barr, uh, herpes viruses. And, and as of right now, these are just the ones we know about, mm-hmm. certainly, mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then other sorts of... Uh, brain trauma, maybe some of this uh, chronic brain injury that we hear so much about, right? Mm-hmm. Or even potentially toxicities. We mentioned heavy metal toxicities that can affect that hypothalamus and pituitary, those, those sorts of dysfunctions. But, you know, that's a, that's a long list. And then you, you really, if you want to get to the bottom of your thyroid issue, and you know we mentioned earlier, where at, at the beginning, and stop the thyroid madness, right? Then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's really about working with people that are aware of these things. They right. can kind of go down and say, yeah, that's not likely. Well, this one is likely. Mm-hmm. It fits this pattern of thyroid disruption. You've done the metabolism test, and we know that it's hypothyroid. So let's do a full panel of blood work and and see. Where can we identify the breakdowns are? And then what of these, you know, of these causes, these maybe cross misdiagnoses do we have to really look at Mm -hmm. um, and find foundational cause-based reasons?
0: Right, right. Excellent. Thank you. And correct me if I'm wrong, please. It's my understanding that people with thyroid issues often have high cholesterol, if you're having a, a bunch of these symptoms and your cholesterol's also high, that's a good indicator that it could be thyroid. And I remember when I was early on in my thyroid issues, my cholesterol was high and they wanted to put me on statins. And I said, yeah. no, that's very common with thyroid issues. I'd like to correct my thyroid issues first.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I think a couple quick points are very important to, to highlight here. First, Let's talk about what would it, what would it have done if you would have been put on statins and you would have taken statins? well, we know that it disrupts or damages uh, coQ10 in the body okay mm-hmm. a lot of people if they do go on statins they'll go on CoQ10 to mitigate some of the the problems there well, coQ10 is part of the creation of our body's energy ATP in the mitochondria okay. Mm-hmm. Damage to the mitochondria and mitochondrial dysfunction is literally a pathway towards autoimmunity. Mm -hmm. And if we know that the thyroid dysfunction is largely an autoimmune disorder, well, now we're just getting all mixed up. Mm -hmm. The, The statins literally could send you farther down a hypothyroid or a dysfunctioning thyroid path. And that's a huge issue. Now, absolutely, we will see cholesterol elevated so frequently in people with thyroid issues. And here's really the way I would say is the easiest way to think about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Again, these thyroid conditions are inflammatory conditions. Are the vast majority of them? You know, we're talking nineties, or you know, upwards of ninety percent of them. All right. Mm -hmm. So, if they're inflammatory conditions, well, what's our body's natural response to inflammation? What what gland we've already talked about gets activated in inflammation to try to help put out the inflammation?
0: The adrenals. (laughs) The
1: adrenals. Yeah the adrenal glands, the mitochondria actually use cholesterol as a raw material and convert it into an adrenal, an adrenal hormone, pregnenolone that gets turned into cortisol, which is what our adrenal glands are trying to pump out to put out the inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so the point here is if you trace back the adrenal glands needing more, uh, being called on to produce more cortisol to put out an inflammation going on in the body, if you trace that back a few steps, you're going to find that it's demanding more cholesterol. If the thyroid, you know, this article that I wrote, I claim the thyroid is one of the most misdiagnosed uh, conditions of our age. And if the thyroid is one of those, Elevated cholesterol is right up there in that same list, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because because what we've got to understand this concept that we can change our diet and it and it influence with any sort of significance our cholesterol levels is almost hogwash. Um, mm-hmm. It was Harvard uh, University that put out one of the more famous studies that showed that 20, let's say 20% of the cholesterol, blood cholesterol level is attributed to cholesterol in our diet. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that goes to say what's, where's the other 80% come from? And it's (laughs) the liver, your liver produces cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in in inflammatory conditions, which it could be any of these myriad of things that we've talked about could be, disrupting thyroid function and and, and triggering inflammation. In inflammatory conditions, our liver is dialed up in its cholesterol production, okay? So Mm -hmm. is our job to medicate it down? Is our job to change our diet? Well, that's hardly going to get us anywhere and quite possibly just lead us farther down this road of thyroid problems. Mm -hmm. What we obviously really have to do is we have to say, okay, Why is the liver being asked to produce so much cholesterol? Where are the causes, the sources of inflammation?
0: Got it. Once again, it goes back to inflammation.
1: <laughs> hey, hey uh, uh, once again, the the entire diagnostic catalog, and I like to say this isn't a Dr. Flory crazy, like I'm crazy in the head number. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. make this up. This is a, a statistic that's out there in the literature. New England Journal of Medicine, e- even 75 to 90% of the entire catalog of diagnoses the entire myriad of things that people can be diagnosed with come back to inflammation. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, my contention is, okay, well, we know this whole huge amount of conditions fall, you know, fall on a foundation of inflammation, but there's another step there. What's causing that inflammation. And if you're being treated for one of these conditions, your support that you currently have being treated and I, I'm sorry but I don't care if it's pharmaceutical or even or even herbal right mm-hmm. if you're being treated with herbals or or vitamins nutrients just treated for a condition you're two steps off of the cause mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because you got to recognize that it's founded upon inflammation and then what's causing that inflammation and so you need to be asking deeper questions a couple levels deeper
0: Okay. So, Matt, uh, you have a Functional Health Team website. Please tell our listeners how they can access this information that you've been generously sharing with us.
1: Yes. So, if they would like to uh, take a look at our website, we're at functionalhealthteam.com, T-E-A-M, For those specifically looking for uh, support or information on thyroid, we have a uh, private thyroid discussion group. If they would like to go to FHT.care slash FHT underscore thyroid underscore group or send us a Facebook message, we'll kind of help you figure that out. But we have that available. Uh, For people, we're providing some links to a uh, more in in depth blog article where we kind of discuss a lot of these uh, thyroid issues in depth. We want to uh, provide a flow chart and a home thyroid testing uh, chart where you can at absolutely no cost to you get a good assessment if you're still in that phase where you're suspecting thyroid and you need you know to figure that out. You can download that within the links on Janine's uh, website as well as uh, you can uh, contact us if, if you'd like to for those. Uh, we are offering for uh, listeners of the Real Janine podcast, we're offering them a class. We do uh, all of our work we do through telemedicine, so we can work with people all over the place. And we teach a lot of classes online: uh, new stress management, nutrition, detoxification. Uh, I personally do a class where we talk about a three-food morning thyroid. Lift, and it kind of helps you set, if you if you will, set the thermostat at the right point uh, to start out your day for for thyroid function. We will provide uh, again on, on the Real Janine podcast website provide the link for that class and and a coupon code that you can use to get to get a discount for that class.
0: Awesome, thank you. <sighs> well, we have not completely, but pretty thoroughly. Uh, (laughs) uh, picked apart thyroid adrenal issues and for some people it might be a, a, a bit much but I think it's really is important to understand because it really does appear to be you know along with anxiety and depression it's an epidemic you know there's just so many people who are not feeling good chronically and are just don't know what to do. And I think at least we've given some some pointers here, some ideas of places to start and to really look at. And hopefully, it hasn't been overwhelming for people.
1: <laughs> sure, you know there, there there is a lot here, but sometimes that's just the first thing you have to understand. Right? Is is that? in and of itself, the fact that there's so much that can go into it is possibly comforting in understanding why you're not responding, Mm -hmm. right? To what you're trying to do. You know, leave the the overwhelming part to a practitioner that can guide (laughs) you through it, right? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully people have some better idea of how to approach their healthcare provider and what questions to ask and what to look for because it should be a team approach between the two of you. Okay, well, thank you, Dr. Matt Florey and Katie McKenzie. I uh, really appreciate your being here, and we will continue with more discussions in the future. Thank you.
1: Sure, 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 sure.
0: Thanks for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening and thank you so much, Dr. Matt Flory and Katie McKenzie for taking time to share your very extensive knowledge with us. I'm sure everyone has gotten more than one nugget of information that's helpful for them. The podcast website is realjanine.com where you can listen to and download episodes. Sign up for the podcast bi-weekly blog newsletter to keep up on new episodes, archives, life updates, and healthy recipes. And remember, once again, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast podcast provider. I have a Keeping It Real with Janine YouTube channel and I'm creating video slideshows of my conversations. So if you go to YouTube and just type in Real Janine, uh, you'll be able to find it easily. And don't forget to subscribe. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Dr. Matt Florey and the functional health team? Of course you do. Please share the love. Take care and